This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Uh, In March of 1986, our church was just a little over uh, two months old. There were, uh, there were some things that were taking place. There were some things that I was considering with the church. We only had 15, maybe 20 people at a Sunday morning service in, uh, in the, on that particular day. And uh, we were meeting over at uh, the school building in Mission Viejo where we started, Castile Elementary School. And um, um, I was teaching on faith. And there was something that was strange, and, and there was a little, I don't know if any of you were, were there, well, I know some of you were there, but if you remember the layout, they had a stage that we didn't use, and we just kind of had a um, some chairs set down on the floor. So the stage would be behind me, and so I kind of leaned up against the stage, kind of sat up on the edge of the stage, and I could tell something was really strange. Now, folks, I've passed out before, and I've gotten dizzy before, I know what that is. And it wasn't that, but I could feel something was letting go on the inside of me. I don't know how to describe it any other way than that, but there was something that was letting go. I wasn't dizzy. I I wasn't sick in any way, but I could feel something was letting go. And um, I've had that uh, I've had that same sensation several times uh, over the years since then. And um, and it, it always has a spiritual context. But at that point in time, I hadn't experienced it, so I didn't know what was going on. So I told the people. I said something about it. I said, folks, there's something really different going on here. I recognized that it was God. I knew it wasn't physical, so I recognized it was God. So I said something about it. I said, let's just pray for a moment. And so we did. Well, the next thing I know, I'm standing before Jesus. Now, for the people that were there, they saw me fall off that platform and hit face down on the floor. When I came to, there were people gathered around. People thought that I'd fainted or, or whatever. But I was caught away into the presence of the Lord. Now, it's been 26, a uh, little over 26 years ago that that happened. And I've, I've shared just very, very little about this. Uh, I've, uh, and what part of it I have shared, I shared what the Lord told me. The Lord told me the, the purpose of our church. And I was thinking of changing to try to be like somebody else, trying to do some programs or do some things the way other people did, and and uh, and, and maybe that had something to do with the timing of this. But the Lord told me, He said that uh, that the purpose of our church was to establish the church. He said, "Your job, I sent you here to establish the church on the development of the human spirit." So no matter whatever we teach on, we wind up coming back to the spiritual development some way or another. I can't get away from it. It's our tagline: building strong spirits, build lives. It's what we do. If I try to do anything else, I waste my time because that's what I'm sent here to do. But there's another part of it that I never really have have said much about. And that is, I was in a cloud. And it was the brightest thing that I'd ever seen. And when Jesus was standing before it, I've had some people say, what did he look like? I really can't tell you. He was shining. I could make out his form. But he was shining. And this cloud that I was in was brighter than anything I've ever experienced. Before or since. I I had heard many times before then, I had heard Brother Hagin explain or or relate to his own experience. And I I shared some of this a couple of weeks ago, I think, as well. About when he was um, uh, on the the sickbed. There were several times, a couple of different times where Brother Hagin said his body left, or his spirit left his body. The first time, he wasn't saved and he went down to the gates of hell. 
that story was related to Brother Hagin's little book, I Went to Hell, tells, uh, tell what happened in, in that, that story. Well, this happened three different times, one right after the other. The third time up, he started crying out to the Lord uh, to make Jesus the Lord of his life. He said when his spirit slipped back into his body on that third time, his voice caught up what he was saying, and he was confessing Jesus as Lord and Savior, and that's how he got saved. But then later on, a couple of months later on, he's still tied to the sickbed, the doctor said it would be a deathbed for him, and his body, his spirit left his body again. And he got uh, got caught up, and that was the, he said the glory of the Lord filled the room, and, and uh, his mother and grandmother related from their side of the story how the room was filled with a cloud and they couldn't get in, and some different things like that, just very similar to what the Bible talks about in the Old Testament. And uh, he said that as his spirit began to leave his body, he got up to about where the ceiling was, and, uh, and he heard a voice, a man's voice, saying, go back, go back, go back to the earth. Your work's not done. So when uh, he got his spirit slipped back into his body, and his, uh, at that time, that's when the glory lifted, and his mother came in, was holding his hand, and he told his mother, he said, I'm not going to die now. Well, Brother Hagin talked about that experience from time to time uh, during the times that I was working with him and, and, um, and around, and, uh, and he, he related something about that. He said... I, um, I, I have a hard time. From that point forward, he said, I've always had a hard time feeling sorry for people that, that went home to be with the Lord. He said, the Bible talks about it being gain. He said, I understand the loss of the loved one. I understand feeling sorry for the people that are left and, and feeling bad for our, from our standpoint because we're the ones that have suffered loss. He said, but the people that have left, he said, they haven't lost anything. And he said, they wouldn't, leave, they wouldn't come back if they could. Well, I always heard that, and, and I could mentally understand that. But when, I, when the Lord appeared to me that day, and I was, I was in the presence of the Lord, that took on, a whole, took on a whole new meaning for me. Because there's, there's two things that, that there aren't words to describe. One is the peace that comes from being in the presence of Jesus. There is such a peace. I understand what Brother Hagin meant when he said people wouldn't come back if they could. If they had the choice, they wouldn't come back. There is such a peace there. It, it's, it, there's nothing I've ever been able to describe or, or relate it to. So there was, this, there was this cloud. There was this bright cloud. And Jesus was there and Jesus told, us some th- told me some things. He told me some things about the purpose for the church. He told me some things about people he had joined me together with. He mentioned some people that uh, that had specifically had a part in giving me what I need for uh, uh, to establish the church on the development of the human spirit. He didn't say build the church. Thank God it's not my job to build the church. Jesus said he had built it. He said that in Matthew chapter 16, I believe it is. He said he had built the church, but it is my job to establish the church. I choose what we establish it on. And whether or not that's according to the plan and the purpose of God depends on whether or not it's going to be successful. That's why you find churches with different purposes. Some work and some don't. Some people just come up with a purpose that they think is is the right thing, but they don't find out the will of God or the plan of God for that work. And so it doesn't work. Some churches start off with church splits. Have you ever seen a church be successful that started off with a church split? They're really rare. You know why? Because the Bible says that which is born of the flesh is flesh. It's hard to get God's blessing on something that starts in the flesh. Now let me tell you another example, another, another situation that happened. This was about three years ago. I was ministering in the service, Sunday morning service, regular Sunday morning service. 
And um, and all of a sudden, I, I recognized that I was in the cloud. I didn't. Many times I see it; it starts to come in. Sometimes it gets stronger. And um, uh, and 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 most often in healing school, if we start worshiping God, it'll get stronger. If I see it as a little mist or a, a, a light fog, if if I can get the people worshiping God for a little bit, then it'll get stronger and stronger and stronger. The more we get united in a uh, focusing our attention on Him and not ourselves and not what we're doing, that's when it gets greater and stronger. But this one Sunday morning, I didn't see anything anywhere. All of a sudden, I'm standing here at the platform, standing here behind this pulpit. And all of a sudden, I'm covered in the cloud. Now, I can't see anybody else. I'm in the middle of a white cloud. And I'm thinking, okay, well, the only time I've seen this before is when Jesus appears. So I start looking around for Jesus. But I didn't find him. He didn't appear to me like that. And so I'm thinking, I can hear the sound of my voice. But I'm thinking, well, what am I supposed to do? I can tell I'm continuing to talk, but I have no idea what I'm saying. Because I'm thinking, what am I supposed to do with this? Well, Jesus isn't telling me anything. Folks, I'm just like you. Unless God tells me something, I don't know what to do. So many times I see people looking at me. Pastor Mike, what are we going to do? Well, I don't know. I'm trying to figure this out just like you. If God doesn't show you, how do you know? So I can hear the sound of my voice. I can tell that I'm continuing to teach. I'm looking around. I, can, I can't see the, anything. I can see my Bible. That's the only thing that I could see. I couldn't see the rest of the, the pulpit. I couldn't see anything else. I looked out in the congregation. I assumed you're still here, but I couldn't tell. Oh, maybe this is the rapture. They left and I missed it. And all of a sudden... And I don't know, you know, you get in a situation like that and, and a few seconds seems like it's a few minutes. And so I really don't know how long anything was happening. But all of a sudden, it seems like my spirit began to lift up out of my body. Now, I know this sounds weird. I get this. And I get, you know, there are times when the glory of the Lord is here and, I, and I'll, I'll close my eyes and, and focus on the Lord. And then when I open them again, there's this brightness. And some people will say, yeah, well, that's just your eyes playing tricks on you. I understand that. I've asked myself and, and thought all those same things. I know. I get it. But it's happened so frequently, I know that that's not what it is. I'm not, play, I'm not susceptible to my mind playing tricks on me. I'm not trying to make something happen. So all of a sudden, and I don't know how to describe this, but it's like my, my, my spirit began to lift up out of my body. It's like I've got two sets of eyes. I've got one set of eyes that's looking about right here, and I've got one set of eyes that's looking right here. My normal eyes, my natural eyes are looking right here. I know what it sounds like. Don't give me that look. <laughs> And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I saw flashes of light in different places in the congregation. I couldn't see the people, but I could see flashes of light. Now, folks, I understand how God uses me. I've spent a lot of time talking to Him and, and trying to understand what my purpose is and how I operate. I understand that most people that come to hear what I have to say are not sinners in the sense that they're not unsaved. There, there are very few unsaved people that are attracted to our ministry at this point in time. Now, things like, there are certain things that are going to change. The Lord has, has shown me that some of that's going to change, particularly where healing school is concerned and where, um, where information about healing is coming out and stuff like that. There'll be more unsaved that come in. But it's a very rare thing for us to have very many unsaved people in the, in the room. But just as soon as I saw those flashes of light, then all of a sudden it's like my spirit came back. Now the cloud's gone. 
Well, I've been listening to myself talk, but I don't know what I've said. So I don't know how to hook up. What am I going to do? Say, back to this scripture. I, I, I don't know what I've been talking about. It wasn't for very long. It's just for a matter of a few minutes. But I don't know where to hook on to that. So I just said, well, let's bow our heads and pray. If you don't know what to do, just bow your heads and pray. We gave an altar call and 11 people came to get saved that morning. That was very unusual for us. We don't usually have 11 people in a month that come that are unsaved. And again, it's because most people that, that, that are attracted to the type of ministry that we have, the teaching ministry that we have, are not those that are unsaved or those that are saved that want to know more about the Word. I get that. I understand that. Well, I, I, I didn't, you know, I was really surprised that that many people came, but I realized that people started coming from where I saw those flashes. I realized that where I saw those flashes of light were where people started coming down to get saved, to give their heart to the Lord. And I thought, wow, isn't this cool? Now I'm an evangelist. Yeah, right. After the service, I had three different people in the room, sitting in different places in the room. And they said, Pastor Mike, this sounds kind of strange. Literally every one of them said exact, almost exactly the same thing. They said something to this effect. They said, Pastor Mike, this was really kind of strange. But right there toward the end of the service, you said, they said, every time I looked up at you, I couldn't hardly see you. It was like something was shining off of you. Well, I hadn't told anybody anything. I didn't say anything. Did everybody see it? Well, apparently not. I only heard it from three people. But isn't that a coincidence? one might think. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. So many people in the body of Christ, so many people that are, that are dealing with chronic situations, that have heard the word week after week, month after month, year after year, so many of those people, the only thing they're missing is putting action to their faith. Now, in some cases, action is praising God for the results. Other situations, acting is doing something physically. Jesus told the man with the withered hand, he said, stretch forth your hand. Tell me how you do that. You got a withered hand that won't move. How do you move it? That's literally what Jesus is saying. Take your withered, unmovable hand and move it. Again, that's Healing School each Sunday night, led by Pastor Mike Webb at 6 p.m. For directions and more information, go to MikeWebb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Turn with me to uh, Zechariah chapter 10. We pointed this out, I believe, last Sunday morning, but I want you to see it again in this context. Because remember, where we started, it says the glory of the latter house, the last day church specifically, is what it's talking about. The church in the last days. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts, and in this place will I give peace. In Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Ask you of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. Well, that has to be the last days, isn't it? Now, Hosea chapter 2 says, Of the rain, it says, He, speaking of the Lord, shall come to us as the rain, as the early and the latter rain. So where it's talking about asking for the rain, it's talking about asking for a move of God. It's got to be talking about that. It's got to be talking about a move of God. Uh, James chapter 5 and verse 7 says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Well, we know what that's talking about. It's talking about Jesus coming back to the church, the rapture. Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. 
Uh, Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. That means Jesus is not coming back until this latter rain thing that the Bible talks about is fulfilled. Well, we know the latter rain has got to be the Holy Ghost. It's the move of the Holy Ghost. So it's telling us there's a last day move of the Holy Ghost available for the church. I wonder if that's the glory of God that he's talking about in Haggai chapter 2. I believe it is. I believe we can prove it. Zechariah 10.1, ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord, here's what the Lord will do if we do that. So the Lord shall make bright clouds. That's got to be talking about God's glory. How many times does the Old Testament speak of the brightness of the Lord? How many times does it speak of the cloud in reference to the glory of God? So the Lord shall make bright clouds. Now the, the literal rendering is the word lightnings. So shall the Lord make lightnings. I believe that also means a display of power. I believe it means a manifestation of His glory. It could mean a number of things, but it's all tied to the glory of God. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain. Give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. Now notice what he said. He said, if you pray for the move of the Holy Ghost in the last days, the last day move of the Holy Ghost, if you pray for it, it says God will cause it to shower rain on you. In other words, there'll be a move of the Holy Ghost that falls like rain. There'll be a display of His power. There'll be a manifestation of His glory. And it'll bring forth people into the kingdom of God. Look with me to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. That's what I believe we had a little sprinkling of in that service about three years ago where I saw those flashes of light. But look at Acts chapter 10. We've got a scriptural reference for it. Acts chapter 10 tells us about a man named Cornelius. He was a Gentile. Uh, Beginning verse 1, it says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, and a centurion of the band called the Italian band. A devout man and one that feared God with all of his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day. This is Luke relating this. So he said apparently it was about the ninth hour of the day. An angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Notice what God remembers. God remembers your praying and your giving. Some people better get busy. Your prayers and your alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now, send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell you what you ought to do. Now, why didn't the angel tell him how to get saved? He's unsaved. Cornelius is unsaved. He's a devout man. He must be worshiping God according to the Old Testament law. The law of Moses, that's all he knows. And God sees his heart. And so the angel appears and says, Now send it to a certain place. And Simon, this is Simon Peter, one of Jesus' disciples. Peter will come down here and tell you what you ought to do. Why didn't the angel just say, Ah, let me save you a trip. Here, let me tell you the story of Jesus. Because it's not the job of the angels. The Bible says people are saved through the foolishness of preaching. That's man's job. Jesus told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Everyone that believeth shall be saved, and everyone that believeth not shall be damned. So, at the same time, or close soon thereafter, Peter has a vision. He goes on to the housetop, 
waiting for lunch to get ready. And he sees the vision of the, the, the sheet held by four corners. And, and the sheet has all kinds of animals, clean and unclean. And the voice of the Lord speaks and says, rise, slay, and eat. And Peter says, not so, Lord. Nothing unclean has ever touched my lips. Peter, you are such a great guy. You've never broken the law of Moses. I mean, what did you even need Jesus for? You're such a good guy. Well, apparently he had kept the law of Moses according to the things that you're supposed to eat and the things you're not supposed to eat. These things happen three times. And each time Peter is saying, not so, Lord. Peter seems to have this habit of saying no to Jesus. Finally, when the vision ends, Peter's thinking on what these things mean. Um, Let me read it the way that the, the scripture says it. Uh, verse 18, and, and they called and asked whether Simon was surnamed Peter. These are the people from Cornelius' house. Asked if Peter was lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision. While Peter thought on the vision. He doesn't know what it means. He hadn't figured out what this is about. Folks, so many times people misinterpret things that they get from God. Peter has the opportunity to misinterpret what he's heard. Or what he's seen. Seen and heard, I guess. While he thought on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. In other words, it's the Holy Ghost saying, All right, Peter, you don't seem to get it yet. Just shut up and go with them. Quit asking questions. Quit doubting what this stuff is about and go with them. When he gets to Cornelius' house the next day, Cornelius and his household, it tells us that, that he's gathered people from everywhere. Verse 24, on the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. He said, As he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together and said unto them, You know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. The Gentiles, in other words. But God has showed me. In other words, between yesterday afternoon and the today, when he gets to Cornelius' house, Peter has finally figured out, wait a minute, this isn't about eating animals. This is about people. God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. That's what the vision said yesterday. Peter said, no, not so, Lord. Nothing unclean has never crossed my lips. And the vision said, the Lord said three times in that vision, don't call common or unclean that which I have cleansed. Peter's thinking animals. He's thinking food to eat. The Lord's trying to show him the blood of Jesus cleansed all men, not just the Jews. Peter's finally figured that out. So he said, don't call anybody unclean that I have cleansed. I should not call any common or unclean. Therefore, I came unto you without gain, saying, as soon as I was sent for, I asked, therefore, what, for what intent have you sent me? Then Cornelius tells him about the vision. Peter preaches Jesus. We have this verse 38 that that is so special to us, where he tells about the ministry of Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now notice verse 44, I think it is. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell. Everybody say fell. Notice it does not say Peter had an altar call. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell. On all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How do they know? Verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. 
Now what happens? The example that we have in the New Testament about the Holy Ghost falling, which is exactly what Zechariah 10, 1 says will happen if we'll ask God for the rain in the last days. The example that we have in Acts chapter 10 is that people that were unsaved, and certainly because they were unsaved, they couldn't be filled with the Holy Ghost or weren't filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost falls and they get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit right where they're sitting. Brother Hagin told a story about a, a little church that he was holding a meeting in. He wasn't even preaching. He wasn't the one doing the preaching. He was pastoring a, a little country church in, in uh, Texas, and uh, southwest Texas. And in this church, they had a, had a guest minister one morning. And this guest minister was, uh, was just preaching along. He said this guy was a storyteller. And he said he was telling the story about the prodigal son. Now, Brother Hagin would talk about this guy. He said he could tell stories better than anybody you ever heard in your life. He said he was an uneducated man, didn't have much, uh, much schooling, but he said, man, Bible stories, he'd just hold you in the palm of his hand. He'd just tell about the, and he'd said, I'd heard him preach this story on the prodigal son before. He said he would imagine how it was like, you know, the father and his wife looking for the son coming back every day and all this kind of stuff, what the father would, would feel like and, and what was happening with the son when he was feeding the pigs and all this kind of stuff. Just go into great detail about this. And he said he'd just draw you in, just suck you into the story. He said, well, he's talk, teaching, talking about uh, the prodigal son. And he said, all of a sudden, he said there was a light that flashed in the room. Now, he said there were only about 35, 38 people in the, in the congregation. Small church, small congregation. He said, but all of a sudden, this light flashed and everybody heard this Phew! sound of a wind came in there. And he said, all of a sudden, the altar was full with every, every unsaved, uh, not every unsaved, but the altar was full with people that were unsaved. He said, now, we had pews in that little church building. And he said, it, would, it became the talk of the town. He said, because people were sitting on, a, on each side of these folks, and they began to ask, they began to question, why or how in the world did this person get out from where they were? There's no way they could have gotten across me, walked in front of me. Number one, they didn't have time. It happened too fast. And he said, how in the world could they have gotten by me without brushing up against my knee or, or bumping me in some way or another? The people on both sides of them. It became something that everybody wondered about. Well, that's what signs and wonders do. They make you wonder. I mean that seriously, folks. Don't think you're always going to be able to explain everything about God, what God does. There are some things that make you wonder. Now, not every unsaved person in the building was there, but most of them were. And then that became something people began to question. Well, why wasn't it everybody? Why wasn't it every unsaved person? How'd they get there? Everybody recognized it was supernatural. How did it happen? Brother Hagin said, I've never seen anything like it. He said, this guy didn't know what to do. I mean, he didn't even finish his story. <laughs> Apparently the same thing happened with Peter. Peter didn't even finish his preaching. I'm okay with God interrupting some of my services. How about you? Folks, I'm looking for God to do some great things in the last days. God has placed His Spirit within each one of us and has given us one commandment for the new covenant. That commandment is the law of love. Come join us at Foothill Family Church and learn how we can love others just like Jesus loved us. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Jesus told the man with the withered hand, He said, stretch forth your hand. Tell me how you do that. you got a withered hand that won't move. How do you move it? 
That's literally what Jesus is saying. Take your withered, unmovable hand and move it. He told crippled people, stand upright on your feet. How do you do that? That's the whole reason they're down on the floor or down on the ground is because they're crippled. How does a crippled person get up? Jesus told people to do things they could not do. What did he expect? He expected that when they made the effort, the power of God would meet them and raise them up. Again, that's Healing School each Sunday night, led by Pastor Mike Webb at 6 p.m. For directions and more information, go to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.